Welcome to The Sweet Spot on a Farm, episode 42. If you just randomly tuned in and have no idea what this podcast is about, um, The Sweet Spot is all about natural health. I talk to natural health and fitness professionals and anyone whose business and life's mission it is to help us support our health. We cover topics like organic farming, herbalism, fitness training, natural therapies, and we also talk about food and share plant-based nutritious recipes that support and nourish our body. Today I'm at a holistic practice in St. Field and I'm just after a kinesiologist, kinesiologist, I can't even say it, kinesiology <laughs> session with a trained cancer care nurse, naturopathic herbalist and a trained breath worker, Lucy Scott, although we just discussed that you're no longer Lucy Scott. No, <laughs> Lucy no, Williams. I got married last year. <laughs> so I'm Lucy Williams now. Um, congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> um... Lucy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I have to say, uh, first of all, that we met many years ago at Synergy Healthcare uh, when I was treated there with ulcerative colitis. And now I'm colitis free, I'm I'm off medication and um, quite frankly, I'm healthier than I ever was. And to be perfectly honest, I never thought I'd ever see any of the staff at the clinic again. But I'm very glad we've met and under very different circumstances now. Totally different circumstances, <laughs> yes. Um, and I'm really excited to have a chat with you um, because you have experienced both worlds. You, you've come from the world of the traditional medicine. Yes. And now you're uh, working in the world of naturopathic medicine. That's right. How long have you been practicing the holistic medicine now? I started actually through complementary therapies first. That was my gateway into the alternative universe, as I think of it. Um, Coming from the medical field, you're sort of hothoused within that mentality. And so stepping outside of that really for myself to change the way I was working because I was ill, very ill with asthma and stress and IBS, and I really felt that I needed to take responsibility for my own health and not just taking the medication. Um, I just decided that I was going to try anything rather than being sceptical and close-minded. I thought something out there is going to work for me, and that's when I decided that I would just go for it. And I was off ill for six months from work and I was working in the city hospital in Belfast and that gave me the time to really look and think and start to change my whole process of working for myself rather than for everybody else. There's probably nothing worse than a medical worker who is sick and can't help himself or herself. Yes, because my whole mentality was working for other people. And I just, up to that point, just didn't get it. That actually, if, as the air hostess says, put your own oxygen mask on first before you can help anybody else. So that was me realising, yes. And literally with asthma, it's a bit ironic I was not able to walk up a flight of stairs and I was standing on the stairs having this eureka moment of I need to put my own oxygen mask on first and then 
when I'm well enough, I'll be able to help others. So you were working in, in, in Belfast Hospital at that time. What did you do first to get yourself out of the comfort zone and what therapy? Or I think just accepting where I was at, at that moment in time and, and just gave up the struggle because I had been struggling to continue working with very bad asthma for two or three years prior to that. And it, I was relying on more and more medication. And, of course, I was finding that, yes, it was keeping me alive, but it actually wasn't healing me. So I gave up the struggle. I rested. And I'm happy to say I was being looked after very well. And um, I signed up for a reflexology course. And I... I actually, I knew other nurses who did reflexology, but I had never actually had a reflexology session for myself. So I was still of that mentality that I need to learn to do this for other people rather than thinking this is actually going to do me good. But it did do me good <laughs> in the long term. <clears throat> so that um, intrigued me then whenever I started finding out about energy flow in the body and how people respond to touch and just the gentleness. We all need gentleness in our lives. We don't realise how tough life is and how much we expect of each other. Um, and it was just that gentleness, the re being able to relax again, that uh, made a huge difference. It all really boils down to our nervous system, doesn't it? That a lot it of it is the pressure, <clears throat> the constant fight or flight mode that we are in 24-7 and we never switch off. Um, it's bound to show somewhere. The, the body's bound to fight back at some stage. Everything in the body is governed by the nervous system and it's, it's our protection. So... It's we develop mental patterns to to protect ourselves because of our life experiences. So, um, if you have a stress response to something and you suppress it, it's held within the body in the muscles, and it affects how your digestive system works. It affects how you breathe. Um, so people don't realise because they're always coping in coping mode and never have time out to actually deal with things. Um, and we're not taught, we haven't been taught how to deal with our emotions. Um, and people who have tantrums are considered to be um, disruptive uh, people who talk a lot about how they feel are considered to be neurotic. And I think that's very unfair because it's just a natural way of dealing with stress. And if we just accept each other for being able to express our emotions whatever way we, we can, then it makes us all a healthier population. But sometimes it's hard whenever you're holding in a lot of emotion yourself. It's hard to listen to somebody else. 
because you probably feel like, well, in my case, I felt like I hadn't been heard. Somebody hadn't sat down and, and just allowed, encouraged me to talk. I would have, I would need a lot of encouragement to talk. Not like now, where I'm quite happy to talk, but uh, when I was younger, it would have taken somebody to be very patient for me to just open up and talk to them. And we need a lot more of that. And I think it's the stigma we grow up with, isn't it, that w- w- when you do talk about your feelings, well, certainly when I was a child, that you were seen as weak. That was a weakness rather than now that I, I'm a grown-up and, and, and I've learned a few things. I know actually it, it's, it takes a lot of strength to mm. talk about things yes, and, and to try and heal within. Yes, and it's, it's also hard for people to cry in front of other people. Because it's seen as a weakness, not just a natural thing that happens. That you know, and we should all be crying together, <laughs> um, and we'll feel so much more fantastically better after it. Um, because it's it's not the scary thing that people think it is. But it's not something you would want to do every day. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> when I kind of tracked you down and and I and I looked at your LinkedIn profile. Whenever you read through your profile very briefly, you get a very clear sense of how passionate you are about preventative health yes, and natural health. Um, and I guess, based on what you've just told me, that wasn't always your passion because you come from the kind of traditional Western medicine background. What did you do or what did you want to do when you were growing up? Was being a nurse in a hospital, was it something that you always leaned towards? Um, was it something that you were dreaming about? No. Um, although in primary school I told somebody I was going to be a nurse, but it wasn't something that was in the forefront of my mind. Um, my father was a vet and we always had a lot of animals about the house, so... I actually initially considered being a veterinary nurse and um, I was given a trial at the hospital in East Belfast in with the cats and I wasn't so keen on cats. As <laughs> I'm a dog person, so that actually put me off. <laughs> and... Uh, I found it quite embarrassing and it it also felt like I was still at home because whenever you have so many animals, you you have to look after them, you're feeding them, cleaning up after them. And I thought, oh, hang on, I don't think I really want to be doing more of this. I'm already doing it. Um, And yes, so I had to reconsider. So my very wise mother suggested that uh, general nursing would be better for me and that I would be very good at it. So you're you're uh, you trained as nurse, and and then um, so the ref- reflexiology was the first naturopathic therapy that you trained yeah, in. Yes. And was and it the window to doing more? Or did you take a break after and thought mm, this is not for me? No, I went straight into learning Reiki um, because this whole idea of energy flow around the body really fascinated me, and it was totally different way of reading the body from what we do conventionally we're very much in the physical and the biochemistry and whereas the the physics side of it 
it's sort of like two sides of the same coin. It's um, so yes, you need the chemistry, but you also need the physics as well. And physics and chemistry were both subjects that I actually couldn't get to grips with in school. So I I didn't really have much knowledge, but. Um, the more and more I found out about it, the more I thought, oh, I'd love to go and study physics again. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I yes, yeah, so there's different traditions around the world of working with energy. There's the Ayurvedic traditions and the traditional Chinese medicine. And so doing the naturopathy course was brilliant because it allowed me to uh, study both those in much more deeply and um, I really latched on to the traditional Chinese medicine view of reading the body in a very very practical way and you know being much more observant you know and more hands-on and made it um, more sense I suppose to me so I would still use it um, every session that I do with somebody I don't tell them that I'm observing or I'm you know when I'm taking your pulse it's reading what your energy is going on in your body and how your nervous system is working and it's amazing just how um, skilled the traditional Chinese people are and um, it's very very useful because it's giving me loads of information so obviously listening to people talking also gives loads of information on just how they talk and um, it's all about where's the energy gone you know or is the energy high Um, and within the body every organ in the body has its own energy that you can tap into with the kinesiology to find out is it working properly is it deficient? What you know? What is needed to bring the energy back up again to help person to function fully, and to when you have the energy you need, you can achieve your life's potential, um, which is what we're all aspiring to. And then you're a trained naturopathic herbalist, yes, as well. So. Whilst you were training in naturopathy, you were still working as a nurse in a hospital? Yes, I was doing two days a week um, in the city hospital, but then I swapped to Synergy Healthcare as it was there then. It's now Synergy Holistic. And I was there for 10 years, working as a nurse and as a therapist at the same time. I guess that's what's kind of maybe the more encouraging environment as well to work in while training in natural therapies. For me, it was the perfect environment because I was still able to use my nursing skills and um, but learning from Finbar McGee and other, you know, therapists in traditional Chinese medicine and just so many different modalities that um, it it, it encouraged me and it supported me. I need, I actually am the sort of person who needs a lot of support and encouragement. And um, being in that environment was the perfect environment for me to grow in 
understanding how it works and and with the patients there or the clients they would tell me about their experiences of you know how the vitamin drips worked for them how the detox worked for them and I learned to do colonic irrigation so I was then studying to teach people nutrition uh, within those sessions and so that then that was how I got into naturopathy because I was interested in nutrition first and then I found with naturopathy you can do everything (laughs) (laughs) but greedy like that I want to do everything Um, and so naturopathy very much is about working with the digestive system first so that you are getting the nutrition that you need but also that you are able to detox the body freely as on a daily basis that everybody can get rid of the waste products that they need to get rid of and um, a lot of the gut problems that I see nowadays are related to stress so not digesting food properly but also to do with gut bacteria so your gut bacteria responds to the types of food that you eat and if you're diet is too imbalanced in the carbohydrate area then you're going to get bacteria and yeasts that like carbs if it's too biased towards proteins then you're going to get bacteria that love protein which maybe actually aren't good for you because they're producing toxins and you get an overload of toxins then in the body um, which increases your need for nutrition so it becomes a vicious circle and people start to suffer, their health suffers, their mentality suffers, energy goes down. Um, So breaking that cycle, you can do that in the digestive system very easily, and it can change very quickly. And and that's what every therapist wants, uh, a really quick and good response for their client. Um, So... Following the advice is always the best way to do it. <laughs> being able to, my part, I get to have to be told things several times before I actually do them. So, um, yes, I learned the hard way. Like a lot of people, don't always take it all on board. But, um, yeah, so even if you do it, I, I'm not the sort of person who does things 100%. So, but if you do it, even 80%. You're going to get there. You know, it's okay to cheat a tiny bit you know, to keep <laughs> yourself happy. Um, but yeah, I've, I've made it. It did take a while. Um, so going from severe asthma to the asthma is hardly here at all now. Um, I still have allergies and sensitivities, but they're an awful lot less. So I know I'm winning. And yeah, it took... It took me to combine therapies to get me to where I am today. So you've studied nutrition, naturopathy, and then the herbalism came after. Yes, it was sort of... I did have the choice of homeopathy, traditional Chinese medicine and acupuncture, or the herbal medicine. The herbal medicine wasn't just Western herbal medicine. It was covering Chinese medicine and the Ayurvedic herbs as well so that was good in that it was like a world view on herbs 
Um, um, but because it's like, because I'm used to doling out medicine, it felt like the natural next step for me because I could understand how it worked and how it related to uh, to medications because obviously if you're using herbs for particular effects a lot of people that come for a consultation are already on medication so when you know how that medication works you you don't always need to be putting that herb in there um, because you're doubling the effect also you need to be wary of herbs that are going to stop the medication working so Having the nursing background was a great big advantage in that, that I can tailor the herbal remedies even around their conventional medicines. Um, and it's and it is giving that extra support. You know, if somebody finding that the medications aren't actually working for them or that, like myself with the asthma, that despite being on the medications, I was getting worse, that... Um, the support of the herbs along with the medications actually helps the person to heal quicker. It's a very important thing you mentioned there that having the nursing background helps you work with both the traditional medicine and the medications and tailor the herbs around it. I think that's really important because I am a big believer that it is important to use both. Absolutely. I, I don't, I don't There's think... a huge amount of skill and dedication and commitment and research has gone into conventional medicine and I don't think it should be ignored or um, or even disregarded because it work, does work for a lot of people like um, you know we're growing to an older age because of it um, but in some cases it's just not enough but the, where the downfall is, is really on, I suppose, on the mental health side, is people being able to deal with stress better. And whenever you have that extra support for your nervous system, whether it's through herbs, through talking, um, and other techniques that help you to learn to relax again and to become more self-aware of how you think, then... You are going to win and you are going to heal up. It's just getting that information at the right time. I can't stress it highly enough. I think if uh, <laughs> if somebody out there uh, visits a, a naturopath or, or any sort of natural therapist and is advised to stop the medication they're taking, I would advise them to run a mile. <laughs> yes. You honestly yes. need need a, a practitioner who works together with the traditional. I, I think, yeah, I would be scared coming to a naturopathic practice and being told to immediately stop any medication I was on. That would really scare me. Yeah, because people can quite often be very ill even before they go to the doctor. There's a lot of people don't like doctors either and to stop you from getting worse you know for me with my asthma I just would not be here if um if I hadn't been taking all the medication that I was I was taking two inhalers an antihistamine and an anti-leukotrine which is another anti-allergy tablet and that was keeping me functioning that I was actually able to work but then eventually it was obvious that there was something 
affecting my immune system. Um, but it had been going on for so long um, that I needed all the support I could get from different aspects. And also to take the time out that I needed. Because to recover and to heal, you have to give yourself a break. You can't keep pushing yourself to be looking after other people whenever you need it yourself. Yeah. And we are back to the nervous system. Yes. <laughs> it's always the core of all the troubles. Um, so let's talk about the breath work for a while. Because so you, you yeah. trained in herbalism. Um, we know all about the herbs, and as you said, yeah. you, you can you can work with because you're a nursing background. You can really work together with both the the traditional medicine. You can tailor the herbs around it. How does the breath work come into it, and and how long have you been practicing that? What what did you what brought you to to train in in breath work and breathing techniques? I uh, clicked onto the idea of breath work. Not because people hadn't already told me about it <laughs> several times um, through yoga practice and also I'd come across Buteco breathing technique which was uh, specifically for asthmatics and lung conditions but I believe it's very good for stress and heart conditions and things like that too. But for me to stick with a breathing technique, I needed to be the sort of person who had a routine, and I'm not a very good routine person. Um, and so all those things got dropped very quickly after I I tried them, <laughs> and inverted commas. <laughs> so when I met a friend who he was really somebody I just knew vaguely uh, from another I suppose social group um, who all he could talk about was this transformational breathing and how amazing it was and I was immediately interested but I was also interested in him <laughs> I have to say <laughs> so we bumped into each other again and I he, again he was telling me about this breathing technique and I was sort of listening a little bit more going yes this sounds like as an asthmatic I should be doing this because even though I was a lot healthier the frustrating thing about it seven years ago after studying herbal medicine and doing complementary therapies for 10 years, my medication was exactly the same. It hadn't got any less, but I was a healthier and happier person. So when he was again telling me about the breath work, I thought, okay, this is it. I have to do this. And we bumped into each other again in the street on a third occasion. I says, let's go for coffee and we'll talk about this a bit more this is interesting and and you're interesting um and Brian and I got together and immediately clicked over the breath work and over the coffee and and we got married last year <laughs> I was wondering is that the same person <laughs> yes so he was training in transformational breath because he was coming into his retirement and 
being a very active person, wanted to... And also, he just was so passionate about breathwork and wanted to continue it and share it with people. And so I was his first client. And he gave me some breathing sessions, which I found actually very, very hard work because I was trying to open up a breathing system that had been closing down and closing down and closing down with tightness in the muscles. And my diaphragm just was not working and would not do what I wanted it to do at all for several months. Um, But continuing to do it with his support, I started to feel the benefits. But it actually initially was the side effects of the medications I was getting mad palpitations in my chest and running to the doctor thinking, oh, I've got a heart condition now. And the, fortunately, the GP is right, OK, I hear absolutely nothing wrong with your heart at all. Um, you know, let's do a tape or something like that. So, of course, the blood pressure is slightly up, but nothing wrong with the heart. And, of course nursing head kicks in again going okay it's the medication so so I started weaning off the medication and I'm now down to the minimum I'm very happy to say Um, but the yes the palpitation stopped once I started cutting down and I got more and more involved and trained in transformational breath uh, as a facilitator to teach it to other people and to support them on the path. Because initially, for some people, it can be very, very difficult to work with the breath and work with the emotions and to learn to listen to themselves, having taking that time out to listen to themselves and to breathe um, and to allow connecting to emotions that they've been suppressing and holding holding down um, in their bodies all this time. It's really hard work. So my people had said to me, oh, asthma is related to grief. And I, I just couldn't see how that made sense for me because I had no massive grief issues. Um... I developed asthma when I was 18 and okay, yes, I was a bit introverted and shy as as a child, but I didn't feel I'd experienced any grief. Um, And the really interesting thing was that my first outburst emotionally in the breathing session of tears, because I had lots without any tears at all or any emotional connection, it was all struggling to open my breathing pattern. Um, I, it was, it was a grief, uh, but it was a grief because I found it very hard to live as, as a physical person, um, uh, being ourselves actually is very difficult. You know, there's lots of things that we have to adapt to and get used to and to learn. And, um, I think it came from my birth trauma that your first experience of coming into life is a traumatic one going from a nice cosy womb through constraint and pushing and 
maybe pulling on the doctor's part to be born can actually be incredibly traumatic and we start our lives in a sense of fright and shock and from there um, where that sets off a pattern within us and we need that feeling of security people being kind to us and looking you know safety a lot of people need to feel safe um, and that was the grief that I had from my birth trauma and I've discovered since through other modalities that there's also suppressed grief from my grandfather who was in the war um, he was in the first world war in the artillery but to me he was a jolly gentleman and he never spoke about his grief and I think that came down through the generations through my dad who also had asthma and then to me because I absorbed it from him because he and I were very close and so it's, it's been a huge learning curve learning to breathe breathe well so as we say how you breathe is a metaphor for how you live. So the more openly and freely you breathe, the more openly and freely you live your life. And it actually makes life a lot easier and a lot happier. But it also opens up these opportunities for you to learn more about yourself, about your family, your inheritance and how the world you know, our environment impacts us as very sensitive human beings. This is so interesting because two days ago I listened to a podcast with Russell Brand and Gabor Mate talking about passing grief and suppressed emotions from generation to generation. Yeah, yeah. And I was, my mind was blown because I, I yeah. thought, how does this scientifically what that that just doesn't make any sense and then yeah. more and more I listen to it I just like oh my god this totally makes sense <laughs> it is every emotion is an energetic resonance and everything in our world is an energetic resonance and and that's how physics describes everything um that we're all vibrating and every everything has its own vibration and and that's how kinesiology works as well because it's it's sort of like it's invisible how can this possibly work but it's because it's radio waves you can't see radio waves but you listen to the radio all the time you know it's how does electricity work you know what is passing through the wires that links everything together um how does Wi-Fi work? How is you know it's it's all utilizing those resonances and those waves, um, and our bodies are vibrating. Um, every cell in the body vibrates, and your emotions are vibrational. Your thoughts are vibrational, and so. We, but when you know that, then you can change it because you can reword your thoughts. And you can then start to feel differently about what you're thinking about. 
Um, and it is in your control to do that. And that is a very, very important piece of information that came to me was I can choose to see the world differently, you know, because it's all about how you feel and think about things. So it sounds like to me that the transformational breath work, it's not really just about breathing. It's really almost like psychotherapy. It is. To a certain degree. Yeah, because the breath is just the core. It's like the core of the wheel. And you bring in the understanding in different ways. So you bring in um, positive affirmations. You bring in body mapping, which connects you to different parts of your body where you're holding tension. Um, it brings in, you know, working with yourself physically, opening up your breathing pattern, bringing in more oxygen so you're feeding the body the fuel. We think food is our fuel. It's oxygen is our fuel. And the, you know, the... If, if you can't digest, you, you, the calories that you take in won't be burned up properly if you're not taking enough oxygen into the body for everything to work well. Um, and also for that level of awareness and consciousness of what reality is. Um, and we only can learn that through being aware and observing the world around us and observing our own thoughts and our own being. Um, we are human beings, not human doings, as somebody said. Um, we Who can said only... that? I heard that before. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. So yes, and that to me is the spiritual level, having that level of consciousness, of being able to see the world differently, you know, in terms of we are all connected by this energetic force and um, that sustains us. And energy comes in many forms. So is this all that you tackle in a breathwork session? Yes, all of it, all the time. <laughs> How long does a breathwork session last? Normally an hour and a half. This doesn't sound like a... This sounds like a weekend workshop to me. Yeah. <laughs> So, they, it's very important to, obviously as a facilitator, find out where somebody is with themselves and the world. So the sessions do tend to be longer because although we don't really like going into the stories too much because that's in the past, we're really about what's happening now in the present moment so that we can look forwards into the future and take you know, help people to reword and think positively to overcome the past negative beliefs, core beliefs that they've grown up with of how difficult life can be. They maybe are not really thinking that they're worthy of um, wealth or health even. Um, and to help people to, to give those core tools to people to go out into the world and actually use them on a day-to-day -day basis that they can observe how they're reacting to things and immediately breathe through the anger or breathe through the grief 
totally transforms their thinking. And this means then that they find life so much easier. But it also is so healing. Um, because you're giving yourself the oxygen that your immune system needs to actually heal the body. And people have almost stopped believing that their bodies can heal because they've been living with illness for so long. And even I doubted that I could get rid of the asthma. People said to me, oh, you can't get rid of it. It's chronic. It's there for the rest of your life. And I I was... I must be a bit stubborn somewhere because I was like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm going to see what I can do with this. And um, because it's better to try than not to try. Yeah, that's true. And I was told the same thing. 15 years ago, I was told, oh, this is for life. You're going to be taking medication for the rest of your life. and then, mm-hmm. And then I was supposed to have a surgery and now... Years later, I, I'm taking no medication. I never had a surgery and I'm healthier than I ever was. So, <laughs> Fantastic. It is. The body has the capacity to heal, definitely. We just need to give it a gentle nudge and, yeah, and let it heal. Give it, the, give it what the it space. needs. Yes. The space and the nutrition and the fuel to, to work efficiently. Absolutely. And it's amazing what happens. Yeah. It's, yeah, it is definitely so interesting. I need to have a breathwork session. (laughs) Transformational breathing sounds rather interesting and I'm hoping to make it to one of Lucy's workshops next year. That's not a resolution, by the way, that's a goal. And um, it's a promise to myself as a part of my mission to take time out and look after my well-being. As Lucy mentioned, it is essential to do that. And while I'm not very good at doing what other people tell me to, I will listen to Lucy's advice and I will do exactly that. So there you go. I will post an invite to Lucy's workshop on our social media in the new year once Lucy releases dates. So be sure to keep an eye out for it if the breathwork is something that you think you might be interested in. Recipe for this week is a simple red onion relish. It comes handy over Christmas time and the new year when you have leftovers. Um, What you need is um, four medium red onions, 50 mils um, or more of raw apple cider vinegar, one medium red chili, two heaped teaspoons of whole grain mustard. And the last thing you need is um, half a teaspoon or so of either a liquid non-flavored stevia or yacon syrup. It is very simple. You'll just peel the onions, chop them into fine semicircles, and place them into a deep pan or a small pot. Then you add the vinegar and simmer it on low heat. If you need to add a little bit more vinegar and keep adding until the onions are soft and you can smell the onion vinegar combination, it's basically a reduction method, simple reduction method. You just simmer it and keep an eye on it and you want the vinegar, the sauce to reduce because you don't want it watery. But at the same time, you want to achieve the nice kind of relish consistency. So the onions have to be really nice and soft. When you achieve the consistency you're looking for, you will add the finely chopped chili and your stevia or yacon syrup or whatever sweetener you're using and um, simmer it for a few more minutes. 
And when the relish is nearly done, you will add the mustard and just mix it in until it's all well combined. Then take the pot off the heat and leave it until it naturally cools down and let it absorb the flavors. It will keep for weeks in the fridge. Uh, but from my own experience, it tastes better the following day and then for the first about five days. And if you like onions as much as I do, it will not last because you'll just want to use it all. Um, remember, you can find our recipes on our social media and the best way to get them is to download in a PDF form from our Facebook public group page, The Sweet Spot on a Farm. You will find all of the recipes shared to date, including this one, in the file section. And if you'd like some more of the Sweet Spot recipes, you can get our plant-based cookbook with recipes suitable for celiacs and diabetics. Not all of them contain sweet potatoes, but you can put the sweet potatoes in pretty much every single recipe that's in there. Paperback of the book is available from Amazon or by a personal order at thesweetspot at gmail.com or you can message me via social media. Personal orders also come with a free UK delivery. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a comment on social media and SoundCloud or even better, rate us on iTunes. To keep this podcast going, your reviews are absolutely essential and you can even do it on your smartphone if you have the Apple Podcast app. And that could be your one good deed before this year is over. Plus, I will be really, really grateful to everyone who leaves us a review. Have a lovely week. Make sure to breathe and take time out for yourself. And whatever you do, stay healthy. Happy New Year, guys. Until next time. Bye. As every week, your host is myself, Susanna from The Sweet Spot. Music by Mark J. Adair and artwork by Gemma O'Hagan. Thank you for listening. Thank you.